Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the Real Estate 360 podcast. My name is Jason O'Miles, as you know. Um, Listen, today we're going to kind of keep it simple because we're getting into uh, a situation investment, real estate investment wise, where, you know, people are now really starting to get into um, holding their assets, right? We know that values are going through the roof. We know that it's getting harder and harder to find uh, wholesale deals like we wanted to, you know, in the past. Those days are going to come back around, but it is what it is right now. But what's really important is that you understand how to effectively utilize your capital and when you're holding the real estate, right? So today we're going to talk about the BR. RRR method, the Burr method, right? And we're going to do that with my partner, JK, right after this. All right, we're back. We're back. We're back. Thank you for sticking with us. Uh, I want to just quickly introduce you to my partner, JK, here. Uh, JK, are you with us? I'm right here. All right. All right. So, JK, today, well, first of all, explain to everyone who you are and, and what it is you do and how long you've been doing. You know, give, give, give us your your 30-second you pitch. My elevator pitch, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, I've been in real estate uh, for 18 years. I've been both an investor and a realtor over the years, more so an investor, and I certainly am not a realtor now. That's a different story. Um so I've been doing real estate for 18 years. I've done wholesaling, lease options, fix and flips, commercial apartments, multi-units, a lot of different types of deals. Um, and then for the past 12, 13 years, I've been a mentor, coach. Um, I've helped and I've literally had the blessing to help train and teach both beginning and experienced investors in both all over the U.S. as far as in, as well as international. So that's that's who I am. Okay. All right. And listen, you know, we have both, you know, we've, you know, shared rooms together. Uh, and when I say that, I mean speaking rooms. Yeah, you need to specify <laughs> that. Just time out. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> yeah. So we, we, have, uh, we have definitely shared speaking rooms together. And um, around the country, we've invested together. We've helped other investors. We've trained them. We've helped them find properties. We've done all these different things. And, you know... We have learned over the course of, you know, for me, it's been, you know, 20 years. For him, it's been 18 years. Uh, what kind of cycles, what what kind of, well, one, to identify the cycles, but to know what kind of investments are good for each of those cycles, you know, because you're going to do things differently at any given time based on, you know, what the economics, what the economic situation is. Like right now, we're looking at situations where, you know, home values are super, super high and they're continuing to go high and they're forecasted to even go higher. Uh, we're looking at interest rates that are low, but we're also looking at inflation that's really high. So one of the things that you're going to wind up seeing as uh, time goes on is interest rates going up, which they'd have to do if inflation is going to continue to rise. That's the way they check inflation, right? So by people buying less stuff, and that's what happens when you increase interest rates, theoretically anyway, interest rates go up, people buy things, buy less of those things, they don't want to pay as much for things, houses, 
cars, gas, all of that stuff. Then we'll start to get into different kind of uh, um, a buy cycle we'll, where we'll start to implement the wholesale strategy in masses like we were doing just a couple of years ago. But right now, people are buying and holding real estate because they're looking for several different things, you know, because one might say, you know, why do you want to buy and hold now when values are so high? Well, there's a lot of reasoning behind that, right? Especially uh, for those that are trying to build cash flow. And yeah, guess what? You may acquire a property that goes down in value in the next couple of years. But if you're buying them to rent them out or whatever your process is, there's so many different strategies that you can implement. And today we're going to talk about that burr strategy, right? And I, I also want to take a second here to say, listen, if, if you're listening to this, um, there's a lot of there's a lot more information that we have for you on our YouTube channel, which is, you know, the Jason Miles Real Estate Network, right? So there's a link in the description to this. It doesn't matter, but just go subscribe and go watch some of the other videos if you want to get some information on different types of strategies that you can utilize. Okay, I just wanted to throw that out there. If you're listening, uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, definitely go ahead and subscribe. But let's just dive into it, okay, man? Let's just go ahead and dive right into it. What is this whole Burr strategy and why is it so important, JK? Well, you mentioned it earlier. The market, we're heading for a market shift. Okay. Um, right now, things are still skyrocketing. That's true. We believe, and nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody can 100% accurately predict any market. What you can do, though, is you can look at trends. You can look at statistics. You can look at what is actually happening. Um, and what I'll give you a couple examples. Um, you know, and I mentioned this uh, to Jason the other day. Um, one of the statistics I just recently saw is that foreclosures are up over 60% from mm -hmm. this time last year. Mm -hmm. And that's just the beginning. And the reason why I say that is because the forbearance on mortgages or the moratorium, as they were calling it, that's that's coming into a, coming to an end within the next month or two. So actually in the next month and a half. So you put those two together. Now think about this for a second. You know, all these people who weren't paying their mortgages, right? Do you think that they were all taking that mortgage payment that they're not paying and saving it or investing it or doing something, you know, whatever with it. How many of those, what percentage do you think that would be? I have no idea, but I know it's, I can tell you it's not many. Most people spent the money. So they're behind. The mortgage is going to be due. What do you think is going to happen next, right? So that's number one. And then I just want to share the Burr strategy is immensely powerful because what it does is it actually takes the elements of flipping with the elements of renting and it, it turns it into a hybrid. Right. And, and, and because of that, I mean, you can, you can work with, let, let's say you've got, you know, 40 or $50,000 that you're working with and that that's it, right? You can reuse by using this strategy, by utilizing this strategy, excuse me, you can reuse that 40 or 50,000 over and over and over again. Right. So, you know, people might say, well, you know, how do you wind up with a portfolio of, you know, 10, 15, 20, 30 houses? Well, you do it by learning strategies like this or implementing strategies like this. I mean, there's other ones uh, that you can utilize as well. We'll get into that in, in another at another time. But this Burr strategy is real powerful uh, from that perspective. So, yeah, you know, let's say you've got, you know, 30 or 40 or $50,000 sitting around. Well, you know, the first B 
You know, the first letter there, B, is what? Buy. That's, that's right. You got to buy. I thought buy you were throwing it. me a trick question there. <laughs> so, you, I mean, you, you, you've got to buy it. You've got to find a deal that makes sense for you, right? And again, because values are a lot higher, uh, you have to look at different kind of strategies. So, you know, what do you, do you want to be a landlord? You know, and if you're if you want to be a landlord, you have to do your numbers so you understand, you know, how much cash flow you're actually going to have in that property. And will will your purchase price of that home, the purchase and renovation, will the purchase price and renovation of that house that you're buying, uh, you know, will it be too expensive? You know, what, what's the rent in that area? You know, if you're buying something and buying it, renovating it for, let's say, $200,000 and the rent in that area is only, you know, 1200 bucks, you've really got to look at what kind of loan you're going to get now. Or you're going to have to look at different strategies, right? So when you're buying it, you have to go into it already knowing what your exit is. So are you going to be a landlord? Are you going to do lease options and create homeowners? Are you going to do Airbnb? And, and then you have to understand what those numbers are so that you're buying correctly. Okay. So when we're talking about anything, you have to first focus on what the end is. What, what do you want to happen at the end of this? Right. You know, if you go in now and you say, oh, I just want to get a house because it's available. All your numbers could be screwy and you're done. You know, you could be done before you even get started. Right. So you have to make sure going in when you're doing your buying that you're you're doing all of the um, uh, upfront footwork that you need to. So you have to understand your numbers. And that's the first one. Right. Buying, buying. You have to buy right. So you have to do your numbers based on what your exit strategy is in every case. So if you're listening to this and you want to be a landlord, you want to rent that property out, do your numbers, do your numbers. You got to know how to do your numbers, period. If you are going to create homeowners again, and you're going to do lease options where you want big down payments and, you know, your exit strategy for that is, you know, two, three, five years down. Great. You're just going to have to put all that together. So you're making that three, four, five hundred dollars a month that you want to make. And people, there, there are people out there for it. And then there's, of course, the Airbnb. What do those numbers look like? What can that property rent for? Do you have a process in place for you to be uh, great at that, right? Because, listen, it all sounds great when you're watching the guy on YouTube talk about the 100 houses he's got, right? And he's got this super smooth scenario going on. But I guarantee you, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's been a lot of work put in before he did uh, any successful transactions, you know, and, and I'm saying he is the general he. It's not it could be a she or a they or however all that goes. I'm just saying that person that you're looking at and listening to that's doing that, they have processes in place and you need to learn those processes before you decide that you just want to jump in. You know, I have a saying and I know, JK, you've heard me say this a lot. Um, I am more than willing to jump in with both feet. As long as the water is only ankle deep. If I don't know what I'm getting exactly. into, exactly. it's a problem, right? But I know that we have to take action so that we can have results, right? So from the buying side, from the B, from the B in our B method, you have to buy correctly. You want to add anything to that? No, I mean, 
yeah, I mean, one of one of my first mentors, he said, you know, there's a reason why they call them exit strategies. It's easy to get into a deal. That's that's not the that's not the key. The key is knowing how you're getting out of the deal. I mean, and know that before you get into it. Can't tell you how many investors or students or whatever that I've worked with that they get into a deal, then they get then they, they didn't have a plan at the end. They had no plan. And actually, mm-hmm. what I teach mm-hmm. people is have a plan A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. And if plan A doesn't work, go to plan B. But have something because the last thing you want to do is get into a deal, and now you're like, uh oh, I'm stuck. That's right. Now it's too late. That's right. And again, from the front end of this, when you're evaluating the property before you buy it, evaluate it correctly. I cannot stress that enough because that's where it all starts. You know, they tell you, you know, in real estate, the money is made when you buy. Okay, that, that's what they tell you because that's the truth. You have to make the deal in the front, not in the back. You have to make the deal up front. You have to understand your numbers up front. So that's the B, right? That's the B. Now, the first R is rehab because you're going to want equity in these properties when you're utilizing this particular process. Now, again, yes, equity margins are shrinking even from the wholesale side. So you may not wind up with you know, 30% equity or 35% equity like we would all love to, especially if we're finding those properties ourselves. You may only wind up with 20 or 25% equity, which is fine, okay? That's fine because a lender is going to give you right now a, a 70, well, a 70% refi is really easy, but they'll go up to 80. Some will even do 85, but mostly you're going to wind up right at that 75 to 80% um, refi range, Okay. So you have to make sure that you're buying it in that position so that you at least have that 20% of equity. Because, you again, if you put your forty or 50000 in, you want to get that back once, this, once you're done, with, once you're on the back end of this process, right? So you're rehabbing. So this goes, again, part of the, uh, of the buy part, right? When you're evaluating the property, right, JK? That's right. When you're buying it, it's how much is the property, how much is it going to cost to renovate, and how long is it going to take to renovate, right? So that's your, your, your first R, rehab, which really is a part of the B, buy. Part of that buying is evaluating, and part of the evaluation is the renovation aspect of it. How much is it going to cost? How long is it going to take? Who's going to do the work? And making sure that your team is, is good and ready to go, right? So it's buy and rehab. That's your first, that's the first two letters in, in this beautiful thing that we call the Burr method. And I... I say it like that all the time because it's 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 funny to me, right? So you got to rehab it. So and you got time is of the essence when you're rehabbing, right? In all cases. So yeah. well, yeah, you're right. In all cases, in all but deals, yeah. I mean, how many deals have we seen? I mean, I, I've even been a part of some deals for one reason or another. You know, the rehab took way longer than it was supposed to take, uh, and it just you know it it literally sucks the lifeblood out of your out of your business or at least that deal. Um, when things take too long, you know, for re- renovation, depending on the scope of work, you know, it's going to take you, you know, we, we, in every case, we look at these as a six month process. It may only, it may only take us three, but we budget for six. All right. And we don't necessarily tell our contractors where we want to be in this for six months either. You know, we ask them to give us a firm deadline. We want 90 days, 120 days, whatever that is. Okay. Boom. Let's get it done. And that's part of the rent, the, the rehab side of it. So you're buying, you're rehabbing. 
And what's your next R? Rent. You got to rent it. And some people might say, well, what, what, why wouldn't I just go ahead and rehab that? I mean, or refi that first. Why, why wouldn't they do that? Because if you're doing a rental loan, part of the criteria, one of the things the lenders are going to look like is, is it performing? If it's sitting there vacant, it's going to be darn near impossible mm-hmm. to refinance it as a rental because there's different types of loans. There's the fix and flip loan. There's the rental loan. Right. Okay? Um, and so on a rental loan, that's one of the things they're going to look at. Is it performing? And if it's not, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to be darn near impossible to yeah. get the refi on it. Yeah, I, I agree. And so there are, well, we'll get into the lending aspect of it here in a second, but you know there are uh, situations that you'll wind up in when you're, if you rent the property out, 75% of that income that's coming in from that rent is now part of uh, your income. So it's increasing your your earnings. So if this property is renting out, just to keep numbers simple, at $1,000 a month, $750 is now, from a lender's perspective, considered more income for you. So if you've got a job that pays you you know, $50,000 a year, whatever, now you've added another, what, $7,500 and another, another $9,000 a year to your annualized income. And it makes it a lot easier for you to get that loan. Now, that's if you went from a hard money loan to a a new situation altogether. But there are hard money lenders. If you're going to utilize this process, I would strongly recommend that you utilize lenders where this is all packaged in one big deal, right? Meaning you're going to get your renovation loan from them and they're going to automatically have, have a refi situation with them in place at a lower interest rate and a longer term. Because ultimately, if you're going to your, you know, your big banks, you know, they're only going to allow you to have four or five of these anyway. You know, you get you get limited, and then you start to have to do different things, and you need these lenders, even though these lenders are going to have higher interest rates than you know what is in your typical, you know, your conventional loan at three, three and a quarter percent today, right? So they might be at five or six percent. So you have to weigh that in your uh, when you're buying the property as well. You have to you have to weigh all these options when you're doing this. You have to look at the deal in its entirety. So that's why you want to rent it out, right, J.K.? That's right. So again, it's buy, rehab, and now we've just discussed renting, right? So as soon as the rehab is done, you get it rented. As soon as it's rented, it is now time for you to do the refi. And what can that refi look like, JK? Well, I mean, I know we kind of just kind of jumped in yeah. a little bit of what it can be, but yeah, I mean, like what like what uh, Jason just mentioned, um, you really want to focus on investor lenders as opposed to going to like you know one of the big banks, one of the big boys. And the reason why is they're going to have more aggressive terms in your favor. And yeah, I really I I, I couldn't agree more. It's you know get qualified with them on the front end of the deal. This is part of the exit strategy, right? So you're going to take the deal to one of these investor lenders and say, look, I'm going to do the burr on it. And they're going to know what that means. I'm going to refinance this into a rental, but I need to renovate it first. So what they're going to do is they're going to qualify the deal in its entirety. So you know going into the deal, if they come back and they say, hey, yeah, this looks like a good deal, we'll do it. Now you've got that part, you've got that part dialed in. Okay, and so that's part of your homework on the front end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 
for real, I think that it is, you know, it, it's so important to really point out what you just said. Uh, for real, for real. I mean, all of this has to happen on the front. You have to get your notepad or your iPad or whatever software you're utilizing and just nail down those numbers. I mean, nail them down so you know what it looks like. Because once you do that refi part, you want to make sure that you've gotten all that money back because that money is going to allow you to do the next hour, which is the repeat, right? To take that money and repeat that process. Now you've got one, now you got to repeat it. So, you know, if you're not doing those numbers up front, and, and I know I'm saying this along every step because it's so vitally important that you do the numbers up front in, in the best possible way. You got to make sure your numbers are correct because ultimately if they're not, what happens? Whatever seed money you had is just going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And you don't want that to be the case because there's still going to be some costs associated with that loan. There's carrying costs, there's legal. So if you've got, again, 40 or 50,000, some of that you know you're just not going to get back. But it depends on how you bought it as well. You know, there may be enough equity in that deal to make sense. So let's just let's throw a scenario out here, JK. You know, let's let's do some numbers. Okay. So let's say you find a property. And uh, you know that the after repair value, we're going to stick with a simple one, right? So you know that the after repair value, the ARV, is $200,000, right? Now, you've started to look at this property. You know, it doesn't matter. To me, it never matters what someone is asking for the, for the house. It doesn't matter what it's for sale for. It doesn't matter to me because I have to do my numbers. And if it fits inside the wheelhouse of the formula that I have structured, then I'll, you know, then we'll, 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 of course, we'll make offers based on that. So let's say that you've done this and now you've looked at it and let's say that your renovation on this was, because uh, you're only going to do rent ready renovations. You don't need to go in and put, you know, travertine tile and, you know, granite counter. I mean, having granite countertops is a good thing. And really, if you're buying, you know, I don't know, tier three, tier one granite, if you're buying, I mean, it doesn't really cost that much to put them in the homes, right? And it's really good if you're trying to uh, resell that house, or I mean, not resell, but if you're going to lease option it to someone, or if you're going to do Airbnb, those are the kind of things that give you, you know, more, more money. In a rental market, it's not going to add any more value. So if the neighborhood doesn't call for it, don't put it in if you're just doing your typical rent rental, right? Exactly. So, but for the sake of this conversation, let's just say the renovation costs were going to be $50,000, right? Now, we need this property. We need to be in it at 70%, all in at 70% or less, okay? Because, again, we want to start to kind of pad the books moving forward so that we can get all of or as much of our initial capital back out of it, right? Excuse me. So at a 70% ARV, that's what? 7140. It's 140,000 all in. All in. Okay. 140,000 is going to be acquisition and renovation. Now, for you, you also want, you know, that 140,000 preferably to encompass the closing costs, you know, the points, all those things, right? So let's look at what that might look like. Okay. So let's say you go in and you make an offer. You know, we would take the $50,000 offer there. That's a $90,000 ask. 
Maybe you get the property for let's just let's be aggressive in our in our in our thinking here and say that we get that property for eighty five thousand dollars. Right. So we're going to go to a lender. And we're going to say, OK, Mr. Lender, we've got an eighty five thousand dollar purchase price. We've got a fifty thousand dollar renovation budget. You know, that is what? One hundred and twenty five thousand. One twenty five. 135. 135. 135,000. We need to borrow 135,000. Well, your typical lender is going to say, all right, if you've got some experience, they're going to want 10%. If you don't have experience, they're going to want 20% down. So let's just say that you're new new to this. You're just, you're new to this. So it's 20% down of what number, JK? 20% down of the purchase price. 20% down of the purchase price. Not the renovation. Generally, they're going to give you 100% of that. So it's 20% of the 85,000, okay? So that is what, $17,000? Let's say you've got 50,000 to work with now, right? So 17,000 is what you've got to put down, okay? I'm just, because I'm shooting this off the fly, off the top of my head right now. I didn't have this prepared, but we do this all day so we can tell you exactly what, I don't need to have my sheet ready. And it, you know, I just don't, but we do this all day. So we're in it there, that's 17,000. And we're going to take that 17000 off of that, right, uh, off the, because uh, that's going to be the loan amount the, for the acquisition. So when you take that off of there, that's $68,000, right? 68000 plus the 50000 is $118,000 loan. So $118,000 loan. Now, here's where the points come in. Now, how does that work, J.K.? Well, a point is simply 1% of the loan amount. So it's an easy calculation. If you're going to, most lenders right now, while on the renovation side, they're going to charge you somewhere between two and four points. And that's really going to depend on your track record. You know, how many deals mm. have you done? What's your experience? They're going to look at, those are the, I mean, they're going to look at some other things too, but that's like the main thing that they're looking at. Are you brand new or have you done a few deals? Have you done five or six deals? But either way, you're looking at, generally two to four percent or points of the loan amount so that would be let's say let's just say you're getting three points on uh what was the loan amount 118 118 so you just do the math it's really simple it's 3500 dollars. 3540 is what it is but pretty much yeah you know uh so so that's what it, that's the points these these are the costs now of doing the loan so we're going to get into the costs of that and we're going to just kind of go round about here but 118,000 if you're at 3 points 3% that's let's just call it 3500 bucks right it's 3540 but we'll just to keep numbers round we're going to talk about but this is more money that's coming out of your pocket and then there's going to be your insurance your insurance for that is it's going to be different no matter wherever you are so let's just call it 1200 bucks right so your insurance is 1200 bucks all right so that's $4,700 now. Now we're going to have your closing costs, title insurance, legal, this, that, and the other. Uh, those are generally going to cost you altogether somewhere around two grand. Would, wouldn't you concur? Yeah, that's a, that's a good that's a good estimate. Okay. Uh, what other costs would we have in there? Outside of carrying costs. So we've got our insurance, we've got our points, we've got our down payment, we've got our legal and all that in there. Uh, and we're at uh, $55. $6,700 right now. Also, let's include property taxes. Yeah. So depending on where that is, I mean, you're going to you're gonna pay those on the refi side. 
It's definitely going to come out on the refi side. It won't be on the front side, but it'll definitely be on the refi side. But, you know, who knows what that can be because it depends on where you are in the country, right? It can go go all over the place. I mean, in whatever state you're in, from county to county, uh, you know, I'm in Atlanta. So, you know, you can go from neighborhood to neighborhood and it's just just different, right? So, but you figure out what that is and you're going to take care of that on the refi side. It'll come out of what... um, what the proceeds are going to be there. So, but typically that's about it, right? So let's just call that $7,000. So you're now out of pocket $24,000. And you had 50 to start with, right? But you're out of pocket that. Another thing that the hard money lenders typically ask for is reserves. They're going to want you to pay maybe three months of that payment up front, right? Correct. So if you're now and now we've got hard money loans that are at, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten percent, you know, five, six, ten years ago, you know, it was 15, 16 percent. And, you know, just it's come down because the cost of homes have, come, have gone up so dramatically. But let's just say we're at a 10 percent interest rate here. It's 10 percent annually on the hundred eighteen thousand dollars. That's eleven thousand eight hundred. Right. So half of eleven eight is what? Fifty five and four. That's 59. And then half of that would be three months. So it's roughly um, $3,000, right? It's roughly $3,000. So they're going to want you to do that. So now you're $27,000 out of pocket. Actual cash that came out of your pocket. Okay. Now you've got the property. You've got, in your mind, this is how I think. I want to get this this work done inside that 90 days. So I don't have to come up with another, um, another payment. Right. So, but let's say this lender also has the refi set up in place and they're going to give us a 75% refinance rate. That's fair, right? It could, it could be up to 80, but let's just say it's 75, right? Because right now people are going to want lenders in particular are going to want to be a little conservative. Wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Definitely, because definitely. because of the looming, you know, I, I hesitate to call it a crash, but let's just call it a correction. Right. There's this. Loom- so we're going to have a correction because we have to. You know, I mean, that's just the way things go. So now you're doing the work uh, and you, you the startup funds are going to come out of your pocket, but you get reimbursed from the hard money people, and, you know, and so on and so forth. Right. So but you're out of pocket on this deal. Twenty seven thousand dollars now. We fast forward. 90 days have gone by. You've renovated the property. You've put someone in there. It's rented. And let's say that you're fortunate enough and you can get the 1%. You're getting $2,000 a month from that. Okay. Now you're going to do your refinance. You're going to go to your lender and say, okay, Mr. Lender, you know the renovations are done. We've now got a tenant in. Here's the lease. We need to convert this loan from this short-term high interest to a longer-term lower interest, which we've, we're already approved with you. So now they do that, and they do it at 75% of the ARV, meaning the new loan amount that you're going to have is going to be $150,000, right? So this lender is because they have different, what do you call it, uh, different, um, it's one company, but it's different arms arms there we go Branches. yes yeah like so the hard the the long term people are going to say okay mr short term company here's your 118000 
Uh, the cost to do that refi, even in-house, is like 1%, right? Usually, yeah. Yeah, it's like one point to convert it, right? So that's, but it's going to be 1% of the new loan amount. So that's another 1500 bucks. So you've got the 118000 there's $32,000 there, right? The $1,500 is going to come out, whatever the closing costs are going to come out, whatever the taxes, property taxes are going to come out. So it's 1500 bucks. Let's say the property taxes for that time may have been, I don't know, 300 bucks, 400 bucks, maybe, right? Depends again on where it is. Yeah. It, it just depends on where it is. Um, and then whatever legal is going to be there, you know, could be another couple thousand dollars, might be a little bit less, but it could be a couple thousand dollars. So of that 32,000 that's remaining, we'll just call it $2,000 for legal, 1500 for the one point uh, in the, in the um, transferring it over into a, a longer term lower interest loan and a few hundred bucks for, you know, the property taxes. That's it. Let's call that four grand just to be extra. So that's $28,000 is now coming back into your pocket. You actually made a thousand dollars doing this loan, right? Yeah. You actually made a thousand dollars. It didn't cost you anything to do. And if you follow that strict method, that, that, that real quick process here in this brrrr method, <laughs> You can now repeat it because you've got all your money back in your pocket. It's now time to go look for deal number two. And guess what? Maybe this time you don't the next time you don't have to put 20% down. Maybe the next time you're just doing 10% because you're gonna stick with the same lender. You know, once you've got a process that works, man, you gotta stick with it and use 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 it. You have to use it until it changes, you know, and it'll change. It'll change because markets change. And as the market shifts, lending practices will shift. I mean, how many lenders have you worked with, JK, that, you know, we, we were just moving right along great. And then they change up their process for one reason or another. Oh, I lost count. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, because you're right. I mean, they're going to change. For example, when we had our last crash in 2008, I mean, even hard money lenders who are usually the easiest ones to get loans from, even they weren't like you had to pretty much give up blood, you know, to get a, to get a loan or give up your firstborn, which for some of you, that might not be a bad idea. <laughs> who knows? I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it does change. And one other thing I wanted to note when we're talking about lenders, I want to throw this in here again, going back to the, to the beginning, when you're doing your homework, part of your homework, okay. Is when you're talking to a lender, find out if they've got like a, let me explain it a different way. Some lenders are going to require that you hold that you hold the property for six months, some even up to 12 before they'll give, before they'll give you the refi. You need to know that up front because that is going to drastically affect your numbers. Like, Good point. you know, Miles or Jason just said, um, you know, that you're probably going to get about a 10% annualized loan. Well, you need to know if you're going to have that 10% for six months, three months, nine months, 12 months. That's a question you ask up front. Okay, so you can budget that in your numbers. That's a good point. That's a good point because it does matter because some they will. You're right. I mean, it when a lot of them like there's a, a couple companies that we've worked with uh, where we have it all in house where they don't really care. But right. there was one that I worked with out of Texas who wanted you to have that property rented for three months before it would turn over. Right. Right. You know, and I thought that was really interesting. Uh, but there's another company that we utilize out of New Jersey who doesn't care. Just as soon as it's as soon as you get a lease, submit the package so that they can 
you know, then go and, and, and do what they need to do. So it does matter, and it is different from lender to lender. That's a good point that you brought up, JK. And you have to ask them. <clears throat> I mean, they'll probably tell you, but they may not. You know, if you're working with a broker instead of going direct to lender, uh, they might not bring that up, you know, and it's important for you to do that. That's a very good point, JK. Um, good catch. So, you know, in a nutshell, that's what the Burr method is. <clears throat> that's what it is. And if you do your due diligence on the front side when you're buying and you ask all of the important and pertinent questions about your dollar sign, your exit strategy, you know, absolutely everything, you're going to do very, very well with this if your intention, it, again, it doesn't matter if you're going to go <clears throat> straight rentals, Airbnb, or, you know, you're going to lease option it out and create homeowners and be, the, be your own bank, essentially. Um, so that's it. That's 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 what we wanted to talk to you today about, because it is something that is going to become more and more prevalent. People were using it. People still are using it. But now that we're getting uh, kind of away from the flip stuff, you know, and, and when I say flip, flip, I mean fix and flip, you know, it's still happening. People are still doing deals. I'm not trying to insinuate that it's going away. It's not. It's just harder to find those deals. So people are shifting their investment strategy, and they're going to more of a buy and hold situation. And for those of you that feel that you don't have enough liquidity to make that happen, this Burr method is the, it shows you that you can have the exact same amount of money that's, of course, for you would be growing because that's what you want to do with it without having, you don't need two, three hundred, four hundred thousand dollars to do, you know, one or two or three or four even houses a year. You can do it with that same 50,000 as we just pointed out. The exact same 50000 And one other thing I want to throw in there just as an idea. Mm -hmm. Let's say you've got very little, like what Jason just said, you have very little m m cash, money, liquid, whatever. You know, there's that little, that's that magic type of loan that, that we investors love. It's called private money. Mm -hmm. You can go find a private money person to put up that $27,000, $30,000, right. $40,000. And then when you, it's the same idea. When you go to refinance, you're going to pay them back. Mm -hmm. You're going to pay them off. It's it's the same thing. It's just that you can have somebody else put up the cash. So you're literally getting in with nothing. So we, so if you're sitting there going, well, that's great. That's great. This sounds like a super cool strategy, right. but I don't have any money. I don't have enough money. I don't, whatever. Well, this is where as an investor, we get creative. Mm -hmm. And this is one of the ways this, hey, this is one of the ways I've done it for years. I don't use my cash. I go find somebody with cash. And we partner with people on deals like that. And we that. partner with people. So, like, yeah. you know, if we may, I mean, listen, if you have zero dollars in a thing and you're just basically, you're putting in your sweat equity, you're finding the deal, you're managing the, the construction and you're getting it rented and you're doing all that stuff and someone else is putting up the cash, maybe even the credit, right? Hey, listen, if all they want is 50%, you're still winning, <laughs> okay? You're still winning. I mean, they if they wanted 70%, you're still winning. I mean, you're still winning because that other 30% in profit, that 30% equity, that all belongs to you over time. And it just continues to grow. So yeah, you don't have to have the money. You know, this is just being creative, you know, using other people's money, OPM, and making it happen. Because someone out there is going to say, hey, I want to get into real estate. I want to do this, but I can't leave my job. I can't, I have a career. I've got a company. I've got a this, I've got a that. Those are the people that, you know, you might not know them now, but you know someone who knows someone that knows someone. It's as simple as that. It's just a matter of introducing yourself. But 
that's a whole nother conversation, guys. Uh, but again, I want to thank you, everybody. Thank you, JK, for doing this with me today. I appreciate you. Uh, and again, for all of you guys that are listening, hey, listen, subscribe to this uh, podcast, download, listen to the other episodes, go to YouTube, subscribe to the YouTube channel, get some of the process and business principle videos and implement them into your business. Uh, reach out to us. If you have any questions about real estate, raising money, multifamily, single family, doesn't really matter. We, we've got something for you. So again, JK, thank you so very much. Um, my name is Jason O'Miles and I thank you, Real Estate 360. The podcast loves you and we'll see you next week. Peace.